get you go to school. And who's your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? Welcome to the Condition Release Program, a podcast that delves into the nether world of cults, crims, and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we are back. We're back. It has been a nice break, and instead well, of spending a fortnight on my ass watching cricket and drinking tins, I flew across the world to slide down mountains on a fiberglass death sled. <laughs> fucking terrifying. Thankfully, the only thing that's broken is my wallet. So many Uros. And I managed to partier the Montaigne mm. without breaking my good shoulder. Uh, my other shoulder I broke after seeing you, actually. That's a whole other story also involving beer. But I did spend my nights dreaming of this balmy weather and these craft tins. Yeah, and while you were living the dream, I was living yours. But mm. none of that craft piss, hops are for bunny rabbits, Joel. And the sooner you stop drinking that rubbish, the better. But I can report that cricket was watched and a reasonable amount of actual beer Carlton Draft was harmed in the process. It's been a bloody nice break, but we're back into it now. Patrons can expect a new overflow this week with much to be said and done there. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. But we did want to take a moment to send a huge thank you to our patrons for sticking by us through this decadent pause of content. We have done fuck all and you kept paying us. We will make it up to you soon. As Jack said, should be one this week and we'll just go back into the swing of things. But those that recently joined up during the pause, we will make it worth your while. Yeah, so a number of them and we thank them. And if you are so inclined to make the leap into patron-dom, please join up at patreon.com slash the conditional release program where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all sorts of bonus content and for our fancy pants, higher tiers, God, we love them. We will do some Zoom chats very, very soon. Yeah, Uh, It will be nice to see your faces yet again. Always love a good chat with our patrons. Yes, we've got some good people. Our listeners are bloody good people. We've got a bit of a no dickheads policy. It's great. Mm. Enough of that. We have a lot of hide begging for money after such a long break. You do. Yes, I know. I mean, I've been gallivanting around France for a week or two. But in my defence... It wasn't my idea. Yeah, true enough. You were cricket. dragged to France. I mm. was. I was dragged. It's not the fucking first time. Anyway, it's nice to be back and serving you up the finest from our lowest common denominators in, in the world of cookers and, of course, just fringe politics in general. Yes, and we have a lot to get through this week. It's been a crazy holiday period and we need to cover all of the insanity, well, some of it, and that's going to be done right now in the Conditional Release Program's fortnightly news. Fortnightly. Yes, it is. Mm. Yeah. So we've all heard the news that Cardinal George Pell died last week following surgery for a hip replacement. Aww. He was said to be conversing with his anaesthetist, which is a word I hate saying, and shortly afterwards went into cardiac arrest and died. I'm sorry, I'm kind of lo- I'm very smiley about this. He was 81 years young. Now, we wanted to give you Jack's take on this because he has followed the sorrow of clerical child sex abuse in places where Pell has been, sometimes in junior positions within the church and later on senior ones. He sucks so much. Mine's made up on Pell. I can say mine is. I know what I think about his transgressions through life. But Jack has looked at this situation a lot deeper 
than just most journalists who scratch the surface. And here's his take. Yes, thank you, Joel. After George Pell gave evidence to the Royal Commission on matters relating to the sorrow of Ballarat, his third of four appearances before the Commission, I wrote that all that was needed was the intervention of one decent man of the cloth to put a stop to the epidemic of child sexual abuse. But I think now, reflecting on that, that was a bit of an oversimplification. The truth is, not even one good copper could put a stop to it. And our listeners, our long-term listeners, would know the story of Dennis Ryan, the Victoria Police detective in Mildura. And he tried to prosecute Monsignor John Day in Mildura in 1972 for child sex offending and lost his job over it. And I chronicled Ryan's story in Unholy Trinity, and the book was published in 2013. It is an appalling tale of betrayal and miscarriage of justice that had its denouement in the Royal Commission with Victoria Police throwing their hands up and ultimately apologising to Ryan. But the collusion between church and state went on well after 1972. And Pell, to use the term used by David Marr, was a company man, Mm. and he deserves the opprobrium directed at him in the wake of his death. He has said variously uh, in the Royal Commission under oath that he was not especially interested in clerical child sex offending, nor of its victims. He also conceded in regard to one offending priest, who we'll mention in, in, in a short moment, that he could have done more but didn't do more, and expressed mm-hmm. some regret about that. And while he had a role to play, the answer to why there was so much offending by clerics in Victoria is complex. And, and while we should look at Pell as playing a significant role, there are some other institutions and individuals inside it who deserve a good kicking uh, but have oddly gone under the radar. Now, the prolific nature of offending against children by clerics within the Ballarat Diocese and more broadly in Victoria could only thrive with multiple failures across religious, educational and welfare institutions compounded by wretched corruption within the criminal justice system. Yeah, yeah. And this is that thing where you were talking about like the Protestants and the Catholics and all the divisions with the cops and those sort of things. But at the end of the day, it was a boys' club. That that sectarianism started to dissolve not long after the Dennis Ryan case in 1972 came to light, but it was still very much a a case of Victoria Police colluding with the church, colluding with some of its senior priests and conspiring with them to basically put a smother on investigations of terrible crimes. Yeah, you've talked this extensively on the podcast. If you look back in our back catalogue, you'll see... Plenty of episodes on this sort of stuff. It's it's quite it's quite intense, but it's it's worth listening to. And again, it's not really understood. Look, it was left to a victim to remind me that while Pell passed away amid recriminations, Gerald Ridsdale remains barely mentioned. And his offending against children was so prolific that on convictions alone he stands as the worst sex offender of any kind that this country has ever seen. That's fucked up. And Ridsdale now languishes in prison. Joining him in the confines of the Hopkins Correctional Centre in Ararat is a litany of disgraced clerics, including another offender whose crimes against children are almost beyond comprehension, the Christian brother and principal at St. Alipius Primary School in Ballarat East, Robert Best. In 2017, Best pleaded guilty to 24 counts of indecent assault on on boys aged between 8 and 11 years. He molested them over a 20-year period between 1968 and 1988 at the Ballarat East School, as well as St Leo's College in Box Hill and St Joseph's College, Geelong. Uh, He was already, uh, at the time of his conviction, serving a 15-year sentence for offending against young children, again Uh. over a 20-year period. Important to remember, just as an aside, that when we look at the number of victims, it's, it's... 
down to prosecutors to, and often the plea bargaining process that takes place, certainly in 2017, less so uh, in his earlier convictions, uh, that some are withdrawn. So yeah. so some victims uh, never really have their moment in court uh, yeah. because uh, uh, the prosecutors will determine that they can really make this thing stick, but they can't make other things stick. It's not so easy. So yeah. uh, when we talk about numbers of victims, it's it's nowhere near, uh, well, it's a long way above the number of convictions. Yeah. Anyway, best incontinent and in, Ill, and in ill health will remain incarcerated until at least 2027. And like Ridsdale, in all probability, he will die in jail. Good. Already. Yes, good riddance. Uh, already gone to God or perhaps elsewhere was Dennis Ryan's nemesis, John Day, a sociopathic pervert with more than 100, 100 victims. Fuck. It may well have been somewhere like five or 600. We'll never Jesus. know the exact number. It's just unbelievable. And Day was so certain he could molest and rape children with impunity. He sexually assaulted boys and girls in his car while driving it in the company of nuns. Fuck. And he died unrepentant and unpunished in 1978. Mm -hmm. And at his funeral service in Warrnambool, Day was eulogised by his boss and protector, the Bishop of Ballarat, Ronald Mulkearns, for his humble magnificence. Can never take eulogies too seriously, John. Yeah. Yeah. This is all really dark stuff, but it is worth fleshing out. Look, we'll get funnier later. Don't worry. It's not all going to be miserable, but this is an important thing. There's just no jokes to be had here. There's just no, no jokes to be it, had it's here. It's not. <clears throat> and look, when it comes down to Pell, we like to say, oh, Pell's a pedophile, this, that, the other thing, but these guys have done some serious damage, and yeah, oh, and they should be condemned for untold, it. Untold damage to. to Literally hundreds of individuals, it's and the nature of child sex offending is that it's multi generational. So, yeah, the, the, those, the those victims get married, um, the, the marriages often don't last, or there are difficulties within the marriage, uh, and then they'll have children, and the children too will suffer. So, it's as I say, multi generational yeah. impacts. And, and having traveled through Ballarat, you do sort of get, get this sense of a pall continues to hang over the place, yeah. pretty much all of Western Victoria. And up. it is important to understand the history of one of the darkest times in our social history. Uh, the chronology reached a turning point in 1992 when Gerald Ridsdale, I mentioned before, was convicted for the first time. Now, the floodgates began to open at that time and dark secrets were starting to be dragged into the light. Really key moment that first conviction of Ridsdale. Um, back then, the church and Victoria police were scuttling about trying to get their ducks in a row. Mulkerns oversaw a process, that's Bishop Ronald Mulkerns, the, uh, the diocesan bishop in Ballarat. He oversaw a process where offending priests were convinced to leave the church in order to spare the diocese in any further embarrassment. This is oh. 1992, 1993, 1994, 1995. Yeah. Yeah. One of those priests had a conviction for sexual assault of an adult in a public toilet in Mooney Ponds, along with the most unpriestly conviction of attempting to escape lawful custody. Very odd. Uh, another was known to have raped a 12-year-old boy and continued uh, the abuse of that of that boy until uh, until that, that boy reached adulthood. The third, himself a notorious figure at the Royal Commission, I, I'm not unhappy about naming him, it's Paul David Ryan. Um, uh, he, he has since been convicted of multiple child sex offend, uh, offences. Yeah. These men weren't laicized or defrocked in the vernacular, basically no, losing their... Their, their priestly status, yeah. they were simply given shut-up money and told to leave. Um, we, we, were, we were told that one at least received a, a, an ex-gracia payment, a shut-up money of about $50,000. Okay. Uh, 
That's disgusting. And, and, and these three priests, in name only, wandered off into communities that could not possibly understand the grave risks that these men posed. One found his way to Cape York Peninsula, and there are no reports of his offending against children in Indigenous communities in far north Queensland, but given the prolific nature of his of his crimes, there is little doubt in my mind that he did. And again, so these, so these wretched people were allowed to just wander off, you know, yeah. go and, and prey on new communities. And... In the process of determining that these three embarrassing priests had to go, you know, Victoria Police were called upon to assist. You know? No one was charged. They were just, they were just a, a report was made and the bishop acted. Bishop Mulkerns acted on that report. Vic Pohl stood by while it, while it happened and, in fact, employed a police officer to act as a liaison between it and the church. Now, there were some good cops, and we've mentioned Dennis Ryan, of course, and, and his namesake, Colin Ryan, was a detective in Warrnambool who pursued offending priests with vigour and ultimately success in the 1990s. Colin Ryan told me, I learned never to send anything to Melbourne. Statements, reports, uh, matters to be matters to be uh, to be to be in, in, inquired upon within Melbourne he just said I learned never to send anything to Melbourne that things yeah. would simply disappear yeah that's fucked now 10 years ago a victim of Ridstar contacted me to tell tell me his story I mean, it was a Sunday Sunday afternoon and I got the call out of the blue he'd been raped by Ridsdale in the bedroom of his own home in 1982 his older brother he was uh, one of three brothers he's the middle brother his older brother had been raped by Ridsdale and his younger brother who was then 10, was indecently assaulted. Just to give you an idea of what this particular victim, the middle child, went through, he was raped on the bed of, in, in, in his own bed in his own home by Ridsdale and uh, this fellow's father was very ill with bowel cancer at Warrnambool Base Hospital and, and the boy was raped in Mortlake. Uh, and then after Ridsdale raped him, uh, he went down and uh, he went down to Warrnambool Base Hospital and administered the last rites to his father, yeah. who ultimately, um, uh, and for a brief period of time at least, um, uh, survived. Uh, now, their, their mother, the mother of the three boys, learned of the offending in 1985, three years after it occurred, and contacted the then sex crime squad, who, as she insisted, she was a tough, feisty lady, God bless her, who travelled to Mortlake to take statements from the three boys. The youngest boy's statement led to charges which became part of Ridsdale's first conviction, but the more serious charges of penetrative rape, as stated by his two older brothers, were not acted upon. You see where we're going with this, Joel? Mm. So Ridsdale's first conviction was always designed to be small, a small, relatively small affair. I don't want to trivialise what happened to that young boy or indeed any other victim at that particular juncture. But the serious stuff was just let go. They did not proceed. Yeah. Now, thus Ridsdale's first conviction in 1992 were for crimes at the lower end of the scale and Ridsdale, who pleaded guilty, always has, received a 12-month custodial sentence with a minimum of three months. And this is from Australia's worst sex criminal and his first appearance before a judge. Three months. And that's all he served, by the way. And many years later, that victim, the middle boy, contacted the Sarno Task Force and asked why his statement had not been acted upon. Some weeks later, he was contacted by officers from Sarno who told him his, his statement had vanished. It just disappeared in the police system. Another police officer that I interviewed for a, for a podcast called uh, Ballarat's Children, and it's still available if people want to have a listen to it. Uh, in 1992, uh, this, this copper, very good copper, was the head of a small unit of just four coppers, uh, well, were him and four others, known as the Community Policing Squad. And they were deluged with complaints 
And this police officer begged and pleaded with the powers that be within VicPol for the establishment of a properly resourced task force. And he was ignored, always roughly ignored, and he ultimately left the force frustrated and angry. Again, this is all in the wake of that first conviction. The floodgates are open. And this good cop, as investigations led to the first conviction of Christian Brother, the sadistic child rapist, Ed Dowland. But it would be another 20 years before VicPol established the Sano Task Force. Now, in 1963, as an, as an assistant priest in Carlton, Father Peter Searson was known to churchgoers as a peculiar man, and that's saying something. He was transferred to Sunbury as a parish priest, where numerous complaints about his behaviour, including allegations of sexual assaults of children, came to nothing. And then he was shanghaied to Doveton. Searson's conduct became even more lurid and dangerous there. Very, very strange. Anyone who ever looks at the photographs of Father Peter Searson, the first thing you'll notice is he had these sort of talon-like fingernails, very long, sharp, pointy fingernails. He also carried a gun. He carried a gun into a Doveton Doveton, um, Catholic primary school. He threatened a child with a gun. He threatened another child with a knife. What? Stuck a knife into into an eight-year-old girl's chest. The he fuck? Would, he would torture birds in front of, of groups of children. He used to loiter around the, the, the toilets at these schools. Uh, and there were credible... Uh, there was there were credible accounts and complaints of child sexual assault uh, committed by Searson. Very, very strange man. And one formal complaint of a sexual assault of a young girl by Searson was investigated by Victoria Police. As inquiries continued, an entry was made into the software that police used at that time that tracked investigations in, in progress uh, that the allegations did not constitute a sexual assault. And the entry, which was recovered for the Royal Commission, said, read like this. This went into the police soft, soft, uh, software about you know the progress of, of the investigation into Searson. And this entry read, all Searson has done is sit the child on his knee and get the child to kiss him on the cheek. The victim stated that when she sat on his knee, he dragged her up onto his lap where she felt his erect penis rubbing on her back. Fuck that. Uh, that was a teenage girl who made that complaint. But that statement says basically there has been no indecent assault occur. Yeah. And so when and when that entry was made, that immediately stops the investigation mm-hmm. because it's saying there's no prospect of getting a prosecution on this particular matter. But later in the Royal Commission, Assistant Commissioner Steve Fontana, who's still with VicPol, stated that on the available evidence, at very least, a sexual assault had been committed by Searson. Just by the description offered in this entry, there there is um, sufficient grounds to believe that a sexual assault has occurred. Yeah. And Fontana had made inquiries, but to this day, no one knows who made that entry, which put the kibosh on the investigation but it could only have been made by a member of VicPol. Mm-hmm. There's no one else. Yeah. And it was Task Force Sano's investigations that led to George Pell being charged with sexual assault in the St. Kevin's, St. Kevin's matter in, um, in, 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 the, in the Catholic Chapel, uh, in the Catholic Cathedral in Melbourne. His conviction was quashed by the High Court in 2020, and it was unanimous. It was a unanimous verdict of the, of the full bench of the High Court, yeah. and he was released from prison after spending more than a year behind bars, I think some 400 days behind bars. And the question is, did Sano undertake its investigations of Pell to compensate for Vic Pol's manifest historical failures to properly pursue clerical child sex offending? And in the absence of a judicial inquiry, we will never know. 
And what we do know is the police actively colluded and conspired with Bishop Ronald Mulkearns to ensure that Monsignor John Day was not charged in 1972. These were not junior officers who did this, by the way. They were officers of very senior rank, chief superintendent, chief yeah. uh, chief inspector, yeah. uh, were both attended. And they are believed, certainly it is the belief of some senior police at that time, that they were acting uh, on the wishes of the then commissioner of Victoria Police, uh, Reg Jackson. Yeah. Now, over over all of that, and it was and it was examined. Dennis Ryan and Unholy Trinity was pretty much examined by the Royal Commission, and uh, ultimately, um, uh, Dennis Ryan received a formal apology from Victoria Police, and he was finally vindicated after more than forty years of lies and obfuscation by the force. He has served with distinction. But the general public and the victims of institutional child sex abuse have received no similar expression of regret. No. And for Vic Pol, this was a step too far. You know, they just wouldn't do that, and they wouldn't contemplate doing it because to do so would acknowledge that public faith and confidence in the thin blue line have been lost because you know if you can't if you can't protect the most vulnerable members of your of your community then really, what's the point of having it? Yeah. And while the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual child sexual Abuse stuck a toe in the water of police corruption, it did not delve much deeper beyond Dennis Ryan's account of police corruption. Now, I've given you four examples that extend beyond 1972 where, where clearly something very, very wrong was going on within Victoria Police Force. And while we look at George Pell, and rightly so, as a person who covered up, was not terribly interested, got in the way of his career ambitions, to become a cardinal, a very senior person within the church, the most senior member of the Catholic Church Australia has produced, and he deserves all of that opprobrium. One thing we're just not looking at is what the hell were police doing, you know? What the yeah. hell were they doing? And and the history of this is very clear. You know, Michael Glennon was the first priest convicted of any child sex offence in, in in Australian criminal history. That was 1979, and that was in that was in Victoria. Michael Glennon. It's a really interesting case. Darren Hinch got involved. And he was ultimately uh, ultimately uh, convicted of uh, contempt ah, of court for an, for announcing Michael Glennon's prize on his radio program. Yeah, and that in itself caused all sorts of problems because uh, Glennon. Uh, was convicted, and then uh, the the conviction was uh, was was uh, was overturned, oh, and ultimately God. had to go to the high court. Uh, and in that period of time, Glennon offended again. Oh, so for no sake. hinch, no hinch, in, no hinch involvement. Glennon's in jail and can't commit those offences. Wow! So hinch has. That in his hands. Well, I've written about it, and <laughs> he, he hinch hinch told me that he thought it was a hit job. No, mate. No, mate. No. Oh, I, I, he said, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very comfortable with what I did. No, mate. What you did allowed Michael Glennon to walk away for a period of time until the High Court, uh, high court could, uh, could reinstate his conviction. And in that period of time, he continued to offend against children. He was no longer a, 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 a member of the, uh, of the Catholic Church, Glennon, by this stage. He'd been rejected by the church, but he continued to run camps in central Victoria where kids would be taken away. It takes a fucking certain type to say, I did the right thing, and that well, happened. The facts are, we don't know how many I mean, how many victims, but there were a number of, uh, uh, there were a number of victims in that period between uh, uh, Michael's, uh, Glennon's uh, conviction being overturned and it being reinstated by the High Court it was a period of about three years and, and that includes a number of Indigenous kids. Great. And and that's just that's just a fact. Right? Yeah. Now we don't know exactly how many, but let's say one's too many, huh? Yeah. Anything more than zero is too many. 
that's yeah, yeah. That's, and look, that's the thing. That was nineteen seventy nine. That's the first conviction of of, of Michael Glenn. In fact, it wasn't that case. It was a subsequent charge in nineteen eighty that was uh, ultimately that ultimately went all, all the way to the High Court once again with Hinch uh, being convicted of um, uh, of contempt of court and serving thirteen days in prison over it and became a bit of a lion of. Of, uh, of victims of child sex offences, but really the outcome was very, yeah. very poor. Great publicity stunt. So 1979, first one in Australia, first one in Australia, first priest gets convicted in 1979. 1992 is that other significant date that we talked about. That's Ridstar's first conviction. Prior to, prior to 1979, nothing, not one single of uh, not one single instance anywhere in Australia of a of a priest being charged by Victoria Police or indeed any of the police forces around the country for any offending and, and with so much offending clearly going on. Yeah. And what we saw with the Dennis Ryan business in 1972 was that the lessons were learnt, that priests gossip and all this sort of stuff. And then when Day walked away in 1972, actually given a world tour by courtesy of uh, courtesy of uh, Ronald Mulkerns in, in the Ballarat Diocese and then able to take up a new a new uh, parish posting uh, near Warrnambool in Timboon um, people like Ridsdale watched all of this and learned hey the coppers aren't going to do anything in fact yeah. the worst thing that can happen to me is that Ronald Mulkerns the bishop will call me into the office and, and say you've disgraced yourself again and now you've got to go and set yourself up in a new parish or yeah. I might send you overseas where you could undergo treatment and you'll or, go and offend there or get some money well it wasn't so much money but they, they, like as I said um, 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 they, there were a number of occasions where um, where Ridsdale was sent overseas for so-called treatment and they were just allowed to walk the streets in the United States and and committed offences, no doubt there. He was also shanghaied to Sydney for a while, uh, told not to have anything to do with children. And, of course, he enjoyed, he, he, he started up a, a, you know, a church youth group. Fuck's sake. Uh, down um, um, down um, um, uh, Malabar Way. Consequences were opportunity. And, and again, offended. And again, offended. Yeah. So the lessons from this is to learn, yes, the Catholic Church will cover up. Yes, its most senior priest will cover up. And, and I guess that's almost inevitable that they will cover up because they don't want shame and uh, shame brought on it. And 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 the lesson learnt was we'll just ship you off. We'll just ship these offending pedophile priests off to other off to other jurisdictions, off to other parishes. But the the real lesson in this is when police won't act. I mean, if you're a victim, what chance have you got? What do you do? You can't go to the, can't go to the police because they're just not going to act. You yeah. can't really even tell your parents because in many cases they're going to give you hiding yeah. for having the for having the uh, you know for putting them in the difficult situation of, yeah. of of having to do something against the church. Public humiliation, and it was particularly acute in the country in regional Australia. Fuck so that's. Up. When you really want to have a look at this, there's one group, there's one institution, and that's the Victoria Police Force. And now Peter Fox in New South Wales will, will have other similar claims to make in New South Wales. I know the New South Wales um, situation much less than he does. And Peter Fox has written a book about, book about that, and he's a former police officer. We all use the term Catholic Mafia within within the police force, of people who, of officers and sometimes very senior ones, who, um, who basically opted to ignore the oaths that they took and, and had some perverse uh, connection with the church. Yeah. So one group, not properly investigated by the Royal Commission. No one's taken any great interest in this. I can tell you that the 1972 matter with Dennis Ryan has been proven correct. 
then what happened after that? Did, did people just expect that that, did the Royal Commission just expect that that would end the matter there? Um, and it didn't. It didn't, of course. And, and we're seeing this collusion between police, between the state and church through the police that carried on well into the mid-1990s. Yeah, a genuine protect, protection racket. So we can't just look at one man. That's just, that's just one thing we can't do. And I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to go soft on Pal. No, God no. Um, but we can't just look at one man because none of this could have occurred without the collusion of a police force. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very good thing to say. Look, I was going to look into the sort of cooker takes. Maybe we'll do it in the overflow. But yeah, at the maybe. same time, look, when it comes down to it, the cooker takes become quite trivial when it comes down to the situation that we're facing of genuine generational harm mm. that's been inflicted upon hundreds, if not thousands, of children across the country across a couple of decades Well, the, the, the figure from the Royal Commission came out. It was credible allegations of child sexual abuse, and the number is unforgettable. It's 4,444. Yeah. Wow, okay. That's the Catholic Church alone. And and, and while we're at it, um, Anglican Church, absolutely disgraceful. Salvation Army, absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, fuck, some of our state, stories. some of our state institutions, orphanages, and, and what have you, Prisons absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. And the first position, the first position, and some of our some of our finest schools, most expensive private schools, and yeah. their and their and their default position is always when a victim comes forward and Just reports, they will always yeah cover up that 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 the institution is owed more than the victim. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That is exactly it. Fuck. Anyway, look, we might look into some of the, the quirky shit that I've seen online in Overflow, but for now, we're going to ruminate on that. We'll do that. Yeah, we're, we're more than happy to. Talk. I'm more than happy to talk talk about this on a Zoom. You know, I, I know. I, I honestly think, without you know, blowing myself up, I I am the specialist on this. I mean, yeah. talked about Peter Fo- Peter Fox, but when it comes to Vic Pole, I know more about it than I know where all the, I know where a lot of these bodies are buried. Yeah, and I can tell you yeah. one, one ex police officer currently in Ballarat. You've got a problem coming, mate. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out because there's a lot of justice that has not been dealt. All right. Well, look on a brighter note, which may or may not be funnier because everything uh, this week is kind of dark. While we have been on a hiatus for some time now, which has let a few things lapse and fall into the shadows, Andrew Tate has been a constant in this time between basically when we went on break and now it has been a fucking tight fest online and this parasitic fuck knuckle has managed to evade our mockery for this time it's almost like he planned his arrest around our break i I didn't i'll be perfectly honest with you i didn't really know who he was until about mid-year last year and he started coming up on my instagram with these short sort of, they weren't TikTok videos, but whatever he was doing, they were interviews and podcasts that he yeah, was doing. Yeah. And it was just so repellent, the sort of stuff he was talking about, that I mentioned him to you and you went, oh, yeah, crikey, this guy, right? And then the next thing we know is it's just sort of spectacularly blown up in his in his face. I believe the Bugattis have been seized. Yeah, have. Um, um, the Romanian authorities have seized some $14 million worth of assets from his estate. Um, Good. Uh, most of which are motor vehicles and, and I think a couple of properties. And, and while he's a man who craves attention, he got the wrong kind uh, recently and has wound up on the wrong end of a court order, which will hold him for 30 days, which is, that's been upheld on appeal. There yeah. is a prospect that the 
that the prosecution will seek an extended, uh, extended oh, no pe- period of uh, of incarceration of 180 days under Romanian law. I've heard about that, but it's not necessary yet. And I'm guessing they're getting into it later. But yeah, that's that's on the cards. Like most right wing grifter types, he proudly bragged about his criminal enterprise in in hours of self indulgent content, which will likely be frowned upon in court. He, he is likely looking at quite a long holiday over there. And unlike the jury system where public discourse can be prejudicial to case to a case on foot, R- Romania is judge only. So he's going to be fair game throughout the inevitable trial. You can mock him mercilessly. The, the Tate timeline was made even funnier when it was believed that his online beef with Greta Thunberg, I mean, he just picked her out. He just thought, yeah, no, that's going to be a fantastic target yeah. in order for me to get more clout in this sort yeah. of right-wing orbit. And it worked uh, for a sec. And it, <laughs> A little bit longer than a sec, but not that much longer than a sec. No. And Tate bragged about his dumb supercar collection, which uses slightly more petrol than other cars, and Who she cares? said he had a small dick. Yeah. And Tate is never one to miss an opportunity to get attention and made a video. I mean, that, that was the thing. He waited about eight hours and that was his response was a video. And it, yeah. was, it was just like, you know, it was like George Costanza with, with Jerkstore, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And we just sort of thought, wait a minute, jerk store. I'm going to travel all the way back to Ohio and call this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and then he gets beaten, of course. It was a real jerk store moment from Tate. It was a jerk store moment. <laughs> uh, he's never wanted to miss an opportunity to get attention and made a video where he claimed he wouldn't recycle some pizza boxes, a very alpha male thing to say to a kid. And Twitter user Alejandro Caraballo claimed that Romanian authorities needed proof Tate was in the country and the pizza boxes from a, a local Romanian pizza pizza chain were the proof they needed. It was not the case in the end. No. They'd, they'd had him under investigation since they pulled him in in April. So he'd been you know, under investigation for serious offences yeah. um, going back for sort of eight, eight nine months. Uh, but it did make for a great deal of humour, <laughs> didn't it? It Online, was pretty funny. It was really, you know, where, and, and Greta, Greta Thunberg herself got back to you, got back, got back or made a general comment on Twitter just saying, this is what happens if you don't recycle your pizza yeah, boxes. Yeah, that's right. It was that very was, funny. That yeah. was very funny. And look, yeah, uh, like it, sometimes it's just fun to, fun to dream. Yeah. 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 And look, all right, so this is one of the things because one of the tape memes that came out of this, and there were some absolute corkers, but the one that caught my attention was the one that had the two pictures of Tate side by side, one that said incel and the other one said inner cell. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're the one who pointed this out to me, and, I, and as I said, not really well acquainted with the Tate brothers, really. And I thought that that was their market. I thought that that, that you know that, that primarily was this sort of, you know, nah. masculinity stuff that would impress nah. an incel market. But you 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 have information to say that's all nonsense. Oh, don't worry. I'm about to have a spray because this whole thing was fucking painful to watch. Like, look, Tate is a lot of things, but he's not a fucking incel. Like, come on, guys. No, he's definitely not an incel. A fundamental element of inceldom is the inability to have sex. This is not a problem that Andrew Tate had. It's just not. Like, he has well, a lot of problems. raping women, as I understand it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, while I'm sure he lies about his sexual conquests and is generally full of shit, incels are not six-foot kickboxers. Six-three, I think. Mm. Yeah. Just That's just not who incels are. They are lonely, sad, usually short men who can often reach their 40s without even so much as embracing a woman intimately. They are, like, terrified of society half the time, and what they end up doing is paying for it. I mean, this is not Tate. Tate 
was a pimp, not a John. And I'm not glorifying him by saying that. He was a sex trafficker and a fucking scumbag. But like the other claim is that Tate's followers, these sort of simps and customers of his ridiculous hustlers university where Mm. he'd give Mm. this crappy advice on, I'm guessing, videos because people can't read about making money and picking up women. These were offered for something like $50 a month. I know, 50 bucks a month. What? Like our $25 tier on Patreon is like, are you serious? There, there, were, <laughs> there were There were kids on this, you know, who were using mum and dad's cards, basically. Yeah. And the, they were going, what the fuck? You know, they're looking at some wholesale budgeting. I was, What's this fucking $50 going to Hustler University? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Look, they're not fucking intels. These people on that client list, they're not fucking intels. I'm just saying okay. absolutely not. And I have to throw the law on this one because- this is just so profoundly wrong. And while some incels do follow Tate and they do put him on a pedestal, the reason why is because they are extremely radicalized people and they are relishing the idea that Tate is bringing this extreme misogyny to the mainstream. This is the thing they see in him. Not an opportunity in Hustlers University to become ballers, for fuck's sake. These guys are more in that sort of red pill manosphere. Maybe they're like half incels who like don't get laid Mm -hmm. often and are aggrieved by that, but they hate women for one reason or another. Oh, yeah. But they're usually not textbook incels. They might hang around the incel crowd. They might be disadvantaged in some way or aggrieved in the other, but they're just repulsive people. And a lot of incels actually detest them for being these sort of shitty, hate-filled nobodies with nothing to really worry about, you know, like they they not, they don't fit the bill. So Tate's followers aren't incels. That's the point here. But what I will say is they are failed normies. And this is a category that gets no attention, but is yeah. actually a Good vicious point. part of society. Yeah. So failed normies is an incel term for these sort of low-status men who still think they have a chance at, say, finding love or happiness in life. They mm-hmm. still have this sense of hope, and hopelessness is a common thread in inceldom, and without it, you kind of don't have inceldom. See, like a true incel... They give up on these things a long time ago. Once they claim to be an incel, that's when they've given up on this. That's the black pill for them. So failed normies. I mean, they're the kind of people who do think that a $50 subscription to Hustlers University is their one fucking trick away from being a sex god in casinos or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, look, I, I, I did read that the majority of his market is actually a teenage market, somewhere between yeah. 14 and, let's say, 19, and it might spill over into the early 20s. That's but those up. are the people who hook into this stuff, yeah. The ones who aren't getting laid in high school? I mean, come on, man, I give know. it a few years. Jesus Christ. Like, it cross yeah. my mind. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, look, you know- Well, it did cross my mind, but it just didn't happen. Yes, yes. Well, look, I'm not going to talk about my high school times, but they were fun. No, no. Let's not get into that. <laughs> I mean, no, yours or, my, or mine. I shouldn't have said I that. I feel before. terrible eating in self-forums. I'm like, you know what? My life was good. Anyway, so <laughs> Tate offered these losers this sort of feeling that success was imminent and that Tate had unlocked these tricks to overcoming an average appearance and a terrible personality. Against the matrix. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, like, this is the thing, right? Like, Tate- and I'm going to use some incel terms here. They're medical terms, apparently. I don't think I've ever seen them in incel forums. A negative canthal tilt and a recessed jaw, um, which these are incel appearance traits. Like they like laugh at him being like, look at this fucking, if he wasn't 6'3", he'd be like a total subhuman. But that's the thing. He is. He's six feet tall and he's incredibly well built and he has a shitload of money. So like, you know, there is that. From your really. boldness. Well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, if you just yell loud enough, no one cares, right? Mm. Like, 
these are not incel traits. He's also a sociopath. And this is an interesting thing that yeah. I thought about recently because if you can, with a straight face, say absolutely anything to get what you want, that gives you an advantage over a lot of people in this world. That's not being a baller. That's being a fucking psychopath. But it does work because people are trusting. And snakes like this exploit that kind of trust. And this is the natural conclusion of that. Incels aren't like that. He's not a fucking incel. They hate him. He's a grifter. He's a con man and generally a piece of shit. They do not aspire to be like this person. They are relishing in his downfall just like the rest of us. And I looked at some Intel forum posts just to sort of double check that I wasn't just on my own little fucking bullshit thing. And they reflected exactly what I was thinking. They're happy as anyone to see this violent criminal taken out of society. And I've just pulled this quote from Intel forum. And the thread was called Fuck Andrew Tate. The post Mm. opens with this paragraph. Red pillars are more cancer than blue pillars. I can't fucking stand Andrew Tate fans. They are all former dream stands who now hopped onto the next trend and act all alpha, but yet are still pathetic cucks. Now, if you understood more than 30% of that, you should log off right now because you spent way too much time on the internet and your brain's poisoned. But for those who have no hope when they're left in their lives, yeah, that that made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I find myself kind of in Rob Sudi's shoes, if you're listening, love you, Rob, where he's recently started cracking down the difference between sovereign citizen and pseudo-law adherent. And it's a completely reasonable thing because he's right. So I'm doing a similar thing. I'm an incel guy. So I'm laying down the law on incels. Failed normies are not fucking incels and i would argue they are potentially more dangerous than our basement dwelling friends just as an aside we're going to deal with that and we're going, we're going we to will. deal with the nomenclature of sovsits and we lazily call it sovsits because lazily yes because because um, uh, we understand that people will know what we're talking about but yeah. we want to give that some clarity going forward and then we'll start using the opca sort of nomenclature when we do look at sovsits as well like you know if we're looking at us Self-sits, we're going to call them self-sits. Fuck yeah, yeah. I love that term so much. Sudi's right because in in order to get a better understanding of that, then you've got to look at these people as being driven by this this pseudo-law nonsense. Yeah, Um, and there are groups, for the most part, as Rob says, these are ideas and the ideas are the things that they come to the cops with when they're pulled over. They don't go as a card carrying. That being said, the run recently did have a card, which is quite funny. But it's not necessarily a club. It's more of a group of people with similar ideas who share these ideas. It looked like the naffest thing to that that license was pulled off. I reckon they should fucking do a background check on anyone buying a laminating machine. I'm sorry. You're on a list. You just bought a (laughs) lamination machine. Motherfucker, you are on a list. Anyway, so failed normies are the ones who spend their days harassing women online. You will find these are the ones who try and get into your pants and your DMs. Incels keep to themselves. They know they don't have a chance in getting into your pants, so they're not going to harass you to try. Their ideas may very well be toxic, but it tends to come from this place of self-loathing. There is a hopelessness there, and that hopelessness is almost an asset in the fact that they don't end up pursuing these kind of toxic ideas. Failed normies, they think they're awesome. They don't hate themselves. The world is to blame for not understanding how amazing they are. They should be swimming in women. Well, women, Because they're awesome. Women in the world, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely women. But also other men for certain reasons, but not as much. When you can see this, like, simping for this alpha male Tate type character, you wouldn't have that for someone in a similar situation like that Belle Delphine who uh, sold the bathwater. That's a more sort of like, you know, sort of pathetic type thing. Very different kind of dynamics. 
But the issue here, for what I would say, is that you've got someone who thinks they're amazing and the world doesn't understand them. Or you have the person who thinks they're trash and the world is right to shun them, but it's a real shame they do. Yeah, well, yeah, who's but who's the one who's more likely to fucking flip out? I mean, we hear about incel violence all the time, but we don't hear so much about failed normie violence all the time because let's face it, they're not headline grabbers. It's just like the subsit pseudo law nomenclature. When you've got something that sounds a little more complex, journos tend to just sort of go, ah, too hard basket. Well, it might be something that's completely misunderstood or, or not understood. Yeah, um, yeah that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is like a very of- niche thing, the sort of like incel watching crowd. There's not many of us, but we're a cool crew. Anyway, I just want to say this is a bit of a self-indulgent rant because there's something I've come across recently and it gave me the shit and I just thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to cover this in the episode. So if you ever come at me with the idea that Tate is an incel magnet or an incel himself, I'm just going to send you a link to this episode. That's what I'm good. That's my response from now on. I'm out. We just want to wrap up the uh, the Andrew Tate business with uh, various articles and people indeed may have uh, read them online. Uh, that Tate, God, I mean, you've got to look at the police in the UK and the Crown Prosecutor in the UK yeah, as to fuck. why he wasn't charged and at least with at least three different victims. It's one a bit who's sus. come forward, uh, come forward in a very public admission that he used, that he used to choke her, that he used to beat her, that he used to rape her. And they, the Crown Prosecutor said, no, we don't want to do it because you went on to have consensual sex with him afterwards at another, in another instance. Oh, yeah, no one's ever done that before. And, and, and yeah, this is what, what, what rape survivors and what uh, academics who are properly across the, um, uh, the, the, the response from victims to rape say, that, that, that they will engage in consensual sex with, uh, their, with their perpetrator, with their tormentor, um, as, as part of a sort of normalisation process yeah. uh, that's just not understood by Crown prosecutors. On my understanding of what this woman alleged, he should have been charged with rape in 20, I think about 2014, 2015. On face value, it fucking looks like it, doesn't yeah. it? I saw some of that stuff and I was like, what? How can he not be charged with this, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's, you know, they just become empowered. It's a little bit what we were talking about before with, it is very with much these clerical pegs. They just become empowered by this. Once by the you get fact away with no something one, like that. That no one will hold them to account. That the, yeah. they can do, they can do without consequence. Having said that, he decided to move to Romania almost certainly because he was concerned about historical offending. Yes, but also probably future offending that he fully intended to conduct, which he talked about openly because he is an arrogant, terrifying sociopath. Oh, this is part of it. He he basically brags about about sex trafficking about yep. transnational sex traffic. He brags about it. He calls himself a pimp. What could possibly go wrong, Good right? luck. I mean, I did want to also say, Joe, and we talked about this before the program or a week or so ago, and perhaps even before you went away, but he apparently owns some 10% of the Romanian Kickboxing Association. Yeah. I didn't know there was such a thing, but there obviously is. And so... Uh, he still is a sort of fairly powerful figure. He could basically, one of the reasons he did go to Romania, uh, to, you know, other than to avoid rape charges, was, you know, that, that in Romania, a person of his clout and money and, bra- uh, and, and strong social media support, could, he could basically contact senior politicians within the country. Yeah, yeah, with a bit of swing, which mm. would not get him anywhere in the UK because he's a fucking pissant in that country. But, yeah, well, not country. 
But well, let's hope bad things continue to happen to him. I hope so. Oh, he takes a long fucking holiday and never comes back. But uh, we'll see. Anyway, look, in other bad news, uh, this is for the one true POTUS, the real POTUS who is yeah. right now in the Oval Office. 45th well, and forever. 40, yeah, 45th pro tem eterna. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Donald J. Trump, motherfucker, he is likely to be indicted in Georgia, which I just hearing that come out of my mouth. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool, doesn't it? Look, we don't know really yet, but the grand jury in the Peach State, I think that's what Georgia is, the Peach State. Are they Peach State? I hope so. Uh, In the Peach State has been dissolved, so the grand jury has has, uh, now settled after its uh, its deliberations. And while we don't know what conclusions it has drawn as yet, except to say the impanel jury of 22 has been discharged, we might just have a brief discussion about, we were talking about public prosecutors before, the Crown prosecutor in the UK, we're talking about the OPP in Victoria and the DPP in New South Wales and so forth. In very senior, in very serious matters in the UK, it, a part of that prosecutorial determination is determined by a jury, yeah. in what's called a grand jury. So these are anonymous people who are gathered and they are presented with, uh, they are presented evidence, they are presented testimony under oath, and then they make a determination as to whether a prosecution can be made. And this is what's happened uh, in Fulham County, Georgia. So much uh, democracy in that country. Led it's by just, its, it's attorney general. Uh, <laughs> led by its attorney general there, Farney Wells. Uh, and the early call, according to The Guardian and one or two other news outlets, is that Wells is gunning for Trump and has the law on her side. Ooh, which is so loaded now because of the whole DeSantis thing. Anyway, we'll get to that later. According to Newsweek, Donald Trump is highly likely to face prosecution following the investigation into whether he violated Georgia law by asking, this is a bit of a famous thing back in the day, if you remember, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find votes in that mm-hmm. phone call that was recorded. Yes. Tilt the 2020 presidential election in his favour. You know, I just need 1,200 and whatever votes. It was 1,123, I think, from memory, yes. Ah, oh, I... I- Fact check us if we need. Yeah, no, they go. They, yeah, don't quote me. Don't quote me. <laughs> it, it was a small amount of votes, but 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 implicit in it, well, there was a threat. Implicit yeah. in that, find the votes. There was a threat. Oh, oh, it was know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to you if you know if, if you, you can't if you sort this out. He's a fucking bobster, you know. So throughout the investigation, the grand jury heard from several top Trump allies, including Rudy Giuliani. Ooh. Gotta love him. And South Carolina Senator uh, Lindsey Graham, who uh, is uh, pretty, you know, pretty well known. Well, pretty- went all the all the way to the Supreme Court, the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court, as to whether Graham should give evidence. He fought oh, really? all the way, and then and and the Supreme Court said, "Yeah, mate, you got to do it." Wow. And um, so, yeah, he wasn't he was completely happy about giving testimony to in front of the grand jury. No, but apparently he did give the testimony, and uh, that could be well, quite under oath for mate. him. And, yeah. and he, you know, he was there. There are, uh, uh, there are instances where he sought uh, uh, to ring up uh, Georgia, Georgia state officials like Raffensperger and say, Ooh. you know, what can we do? You know, what can we do here? Yeah, um, what can you do for me? You know, like, so, uh, well, you know, can't we sort this matter out somehow? You know, can I buy this like Twitter likes maybe? Yeah, so listeners may recall Trump's call to Raffensperger where Trump implored the Secretary of State and Georgia to find him the votes. And the conversation extended to what Raffensperger described in a book uh, that Raffensperger published last year as threats. And that's where Trump is vulnerable. Oh, okay. He threatened, yeah, okay. Yeah, the goss goes that Wells is looking at prosecuting Trump and others like Giuliani under RICO laws of racketeering and 
uh, influenced and racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations act. There are various acts, state and federal, in the United States, and the ones uh, there is definitely a RICO RICO um, uh, RICO laws in place in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, under RICO laws, the qualifier is to find Trump or a member of his organization have committed offenses, have committed a certain list of offenses that, for example, may include obstruction of justice. Okay. And then once you have that, then you can basically prosecute the top of the organization because other junior members of that organization have have con- have committed these offenses okay that's, that's how rico laws essentially work yeah uh, and of course this is you know these laws were developed to you know get rid of to get rid of the mafia. Yes, exactly. They've also yes. been used for for bikers and 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 other criminal groups. But they have been used. You know, they can be used once you determine that a member of an organisation that is run by a senior fellow, in this case, Trump. Once you determine that people within that organisation have committed offences on their behalf, which include which may include perjury or include, uh, obstruction of justice. There's a list of crimes. It can't just be any crime. There are RICO designed for to control uh, organised crime groups. It would be weapons offences, drug offences, these sorts of things. But in Trump's case, it can be something like um, uh, obstruction of justice. Yeah. And then you all then you all you have to prove in a courtroom, Joel. Is is this man the leader of that organisation? Yeah, and that's a pretty easy thing to do. Yeah, and, and this is why Rico laws have, have been incredibly successful against organised crime. So predictable responses from from the Trumpster is that the Wells grand jury investigation is say with me, Joel, a witch, witch hunt. hunt. Yeah, it's a witch hunt. Uh, of course, it's a witch hunt. He is genuinely wide open on Georgia's Rico laws, according to legal experts in the in the US, not just me. Oh, so yeah, dear. there you go. Rico prosecutions possible. We'll know soon. We will know within. Ooh, well, who knows? We will know. We'll know within weeks, not months, is, is what I would suggest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, and uh, I think the general sort of vibe is going to be that while you know, usually the GOP huddle behind Trump in this sort of fearful, quivering <laughs> mass of support. That's they will, not. They will be very pleased to see yeah. him in deep shit. They want him gone. Yeah, it's, that's they the simple fact of the matter. They know that if Trump, in the unlikely event that Trump wins the primary in 2024, that they can't win the election. A plant will win against him. On, on the two jacks, we know we noted a poll that had that had Biden eight points ahead of Trump. Jesus, and uh, for in, in 2024, long way out, and you know dubious polling, but but it, it, it's kind of where we where we think it is. And and the big thing is that you know. How much of the Republican Party loves him is kind of up for dispute, but a fair chunk of it does. And the Democrats hate him, of course, but independent, non-aligned voters, and that makes up for more than a third of voters in the United States if they go out and vote, are saying, we don't want this fucking clown here again. Yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that people don't necessarily vote for people. They often vote against them. And that's how you see Biden get elected like this. Yeah. And and this is the other thing about Trump is that he drags people off their seats into the the polling booth to vote against him. He's a great motivator to get out and vote because the idea of him being up there pontificating with his fucking orange <laughs> no, skin. Four more years. Nah. Do a group Grover Cleveland. And of course Cleveland was the only president to serve two non consecutive terms. Well, let's not see that happen again. Mm-hmm. 
Cows have fucking masks on. Everybody is up for the high jump. If they deserve it, if they deserve to hang, they will hang. Rise up, Australia. Men of Australia, time to step up and be real men. Protect your kids or go down. Biggest cowards this country has ever seen. Yeah. Hang down, animals. So it has been a pretty quiet summer in the cooker world. I mean, no. protests have gone ahead in Melbourne. No one fucking cares. Handful <laughs> of people turning up, being pointlessly annoyed, yelling at buildings. There's nothing to protest. Yep. And the entire city hates you. Everyone hates them. Just give up. Just stop. But there was, this is actually, this is a big one. There was a barbecue in Canberra. Oh, they love a sausage sizzle. Yeah. Mm. So and some people got arrested um, barbecuing. I suppose. I mean, it was on. There was stuff on Twitter. I don't know. They were upset about being mainly, arrested. Mainly vehicle offences. Those those sorts of things. I think yeah. there was someone else was was, uh, and and uh, the the girls will tell us. But um, but yeah, yes. there was some, someone else for damaging a building. And I think that I think that was a um, a, a Freemason building job. Yeah, allegedly. I think that may have been that Brad guy. He's not Brad, dead yet, yeah. apparently. I mean, like, how long? How long can that guy stay alive? I mean, you got all these people dying suddenly. Why not Brad? <laughs> what? He's going to be on Services Australia, which is the old Centrelink. He's going to be on. Going to be on the rock and roll. Oh, yeah, no. Like, apparently, they're not because of some sort of technicality. But I would imagine that's uh, what's that uh, some bullshit. Anyway, what can you yeah. do? Look, we will get the Dimfoil Tales girls on next man episode. We do usually get them on now because it's really good to have them. Give it this sort of entertaining summary of events in the cookosphere. The reason why I don't do Cooker Update and I want them to do it is because I'm sure there's some funny shit going on, but I'm just seeing this sort of same sad it's old stuff. sad. It's really sad. It's, it's just that sort of old codger at the RSL vibes. You know, he's like always there. He's telling the same stories when he met mm. Angus Young mm. at, the, at the park when he was walking the dog, and he's got nowhere else to go because his family's told him to fuck off for reasons you don't want to hear about. Like, you know, it's just sad. It's it just sad. It's pathetic. It is. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's one schooner away from sudden death. Hashtag sudden death. So, look, that's not to say that cookers have been idle, though. No. Because while many of them take a well-deserved break over the holiday period to spend less time annoying the public with red pill nonsense and more time spending focused on sort of annoying their families with other pilled rubbish, yeah, they're still out there seething about some sort of Freemason, DMLA, pedophile conspiracy, oh, eating everywhere. children, vaccinating dogs or fucking whatever they talk about these days. Ultimately, this anger leads them to do very silly things, and I will say allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yes, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. We should be careful here because it's not clear that these were perpetrated by cookers or even a case of arson at all, but there was a fire at the Masonic Centre of Campbelltown on the 9th of January which completely destroyed the building. The cause is actually believed to have been an electrical fault. I didn't hear this. I mean, I haven't been watching it to be honest, but I did know that the police set up a crime scene around the building. So there's obviously been a little bit more information that's come across your desk, not mine, Joel. Yes. But uh, we don't want to jump to conclusions. No, no, we don't, and that is right, and that is right. But just like the police who set the crime scene, I mean, come on, I'm only human. My mind, and probably theirs too, went immediately to cookers. <laughs> and you, you're all high and mighty, but I know yours did too. Oh, I did too. I, yeah. Was I? yeah. I mean, I think you're the one who's not denying it here. But look, 
I'll take the authority's word for it. There was some dodgy wiring because this yep. is what's been reported okay. in the mainstream media recently. This is ironic, though, and I don't want to make light of a bad situation, but considering the like Freemasons sort of priding themselves and being full of tradies and being this sort of trade craft group. I mean, like, what, did they get, like, Brother Frank to do the cables after the barbecue on a Saturday? Oh, Brother Frank, you're you're a sparky, aren't you? No, 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 Joel. Obviously, they go to the New World Order. Um, Go to Davos and get their wiring done there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the the Davos sparky flies over in some sort of, like, private space tube. with the Pope. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) The Pope no, is not the the Pope. like the apprentice. No. I mean, the, the Freemasons are sort of not anti-Catholic, but they are non-Catholic. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, no. Mm. We 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 did a um we did a bit of a step over there. Oh well, look, look never let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. So, look, look, it's not completely irrational to jump to these conclusions, though. And I'm going to say this in my defence because it turns out that fires at Freemason lodges are disturbingly common. There's I didn't realise this until I googled it. Freemason one or two fire. going on. Yeah, so many hits. So. On December 31st, 2021, an arson attack was orchestrated on a Freemasons Hall in Dublin. So graffiti was found at the scene, which accused the Freemasons of being part of a, you guessed it, global COVID conspiracy and decided to describe the pandemic as a hoax. hoax. So, you know, there's, there's a narrative there. The man suspected of carrying out the attack did not appear to be an experienced arsonist. Why, you ask? Well, he sustained serious injuries after jumping from a window shortly after the blaze started around 5 <laughs> You're going to play with night. fire, you're going to get burnt, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe plan to leave anyway. I don't, I don't want to mock the almost dead. So while graffiti on the scene was that sort of compelling evidence of motive, it was also reported that before the man was found unconscious and bare-chested on the sidewalk, covered in an unidentified liquid. Propellant. Mm. Yeah. Apparently he shouted anti-vaccine sentiments as he jumped. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. fucking hell, man. He's out cool. That He's is such a cool. commitment to the bit. You're like, COVID is a hoax! While <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're rolling around on the ground trying to put yourself out. Yeah, unidentified yeah. liquid. Yeah, he's hardcore. <laughs> Look, the man was not known to police, but the family told the Garda that he had immersed himself in conspiracy theories in the lead-up to the arse, and the Garda, of course, being the Irish wallopers. Mm-hmm. He also apparently immersed himself in an unidentified liquid. Yeah. Uh, I'll just go out on a limb and say, petrol? He's a big immerser. That's what he is. He's an immerser. He's not an arsonist. He's an immerser. immerser. He likes to immerse himself in things. Anyway, look, even before COVID-19 was a feverish bat in a Wuhan wet market, all the way back in April of 2021, Ben Coleman burned down three Masonic lodges in Vancouver, Canada. Ooh. I don't want to make light of these things, but God, they're so funny. Mr. Coleman was charged with arson after he posted on Facebook, quote, I just cleaned three satanic clubhouses and nobody could do anything. I mean. Yeah, probably probably can do something. You yeah, know, I mean, they with, can with use that against of, you in with court. With a sort of self-confessed case of three arsons. Just yeah. fucking amazing. He got three years for that. I mean, what a fucking <laughs> moron. Apparently, his Facebook page contained anti-Freemason content, you know, the usual stuff, but also mm. featured flat earth posts so mm. he's clearly an intelligent guy but the funny thing is is that flat earthers have form in this field this is just by coincidence of course there is no such thing as coincidences but by coincidence at an australian flat earth conference in 2018 and i had no idea of this until i researched it today 
the two organizers of the conference got into an argument, no idea why, no idea what over, which prompted one of them, whose nickname was Trigger, to get <laughs> drunk and set fire to a Masonic Lodge. <laughs> there is so much in that sentence unspoken, but that's, yeah. that's the line. Yeah, and his nickname Trigger. That wasn't that. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which Western hero uh, had a horse named Trigger, but um, yeah, that's. But I tell you what, it was probably better a fucking ass than this moron because apparently he slightly burned the door after dousing it in petrol. Look, that's just that's just poor arson, you know. Oh, mate, get your that's act just, together. Yeah. Back to, back to arson school for you. That's right. Coleman could pull it off. Yeah. Another one was attempted in 2012 in Belfast. <laughs> the guard has been very busy there. Oh, so yes. this has been going on for ages now, even before Karen Brewer started putting cook videos on Telegram, wandering around <laughs> wandering around cemeteries. Oh, yeah. Fucking spooky. Jesus Christ. Freemason paranoia has been going for some time now, but we are just experiencing the funny side of it. So, look, it does turn out that, Burning down Freemason lodges, it's a thing, apparently. Mm -hmm. The one in Western Sydney was probably due to some dodgy wiring. I'm going to take their word for it. But you can't blame me or the rest of us for thinking it's cookers because it kind of fits their MO Mm -hmm. and it's been done before and, sadly, it will probably happen again. Yeah, I can only just tell you, as not a fire investigator, but I did investigate a number of... A uh, number of fires, insurance claims associated with them, that when you do have an electrical fire, it's very, very easy to determine that. Um, yeah, and, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah you, you basically get an arc, an electrical arc broken, and you can see where that arc breaks. Yeah, interesting. So there well, you go. So the coppers may well be onto something in regard to the Campbell uh, uh, Campbelltown uh, uh, Freemasons Lodge uh, there, but in other parts, you know, if you see a smouldering human being rolling around on the ground outside of Freemasons Lodge, that's a blaze. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's probably a cooker. It's probably arson. Mm. They're pretty stoked about what happened. They're pretty stoked. They're pretty motivated. It's interesting. There it's not a log on the fire. I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all within. And in this week's Which Black Pilled Fuckwit Said That, there are no prizes. And that is communism. Because as we all know, Joel is a communist. Oh, of course. No shiny new gaz with a burnt out clutch for you, Joel, this week. But we are going to revive Black Pilled Fuckwit and may from time to time, every now and then, uh, but this time, there was such a lot of Black Pilled Fuckwits mouthing off oh, yeah. that we just had to do it. So, uh, the first question of three comes from listener Stuart. G'day, Stuart. Thank you for your contribution. Regular. Thank you for abusing the tripe out of Joel. It was very funny. I was was a big fan of that. I'm going to look at the rest of the abuse, but I can only look at the start of the abuse because I'm not allowed to open the email. So, I saw the anger about craft beer and North Melbourne Football Club, but we'll, uh, we'll see what the rest has to say. When, yeah, when it wasn't complimentary. You can, you, can, you can gather that it wasn't complimentary. Well done, Stuart. <laughs> anyway, and this is the quote he pulled out. I hope that Cardinal Pell's death will reinforce the persecution of Christians in Australia. Reinforce? Yeah. What? 
Anyway, okay. Archbishop and Governor General Peter Hollingworth was completely destroyed by the anti-Christians. That's mm-hmm. plural, just in case. Should be were. Anyway, uh, with Pell, 81 people said he was over here, one said he was over there, and it was well reported that Andrews Gestapo believed the 81 and not the one. What? Wow, that's fucked in the head. That's really fucked up, isn't it? All right, so who said it, Joel? Was it the New World Order made me eat a grasshopper and that's tyranny? Senator Teeny Weeny Malcolm Roberts? In the lead. Was it I support sex trafficking in all its forms? Let men be rapist men. Senator Ralphie Babbitt? No, too smart. Was it the world's problems can be summed up in ice cream nomenclature? Senator Alex Antic, who wondered out loud just more than once and more than once for anyone's liking that the Magnum would be banned. (laughs) Oh, shit. <laughs> what a fuckwit. Oh, I forget these things. Or was it Crocodile Killed My Pa? The member for Kennedy, Bob the Hat Catter. Okay, so it's between Teeny Winnie and Malcolm Roberts and uh, and uh, Bob Catter uh, because Ralph Babbitt isn't smart enough to come up with that, even though it's complete gibberish. He doesn't <laughs> know. Gibberish. He doesn't understand the concepts. He doesn't know what a Gestapo is. Uh, like, you know, unless it was a, a, a thing he retweeted, he wouldn't understand it. I'm going to flip a coin and say Bob Catter. Well done, Joel. Excellent yes. work. Well, well done. You're well on your way to becoming a double secret communist. It was a flip coin, though. It was a yeah, flip coin. Yeah, so that was, in fact, the garbled message of Bob the Hat Catter. God, he's losing it. George Pell's he's death. fucking it losing it. It makes no sense. Reinforce the persecution of Christians? What, he wants more of it? I, I don't it's know. It's really, really dumb. The whole thing. And, look, there's been a long, uh, long view that Bob the Hat has lost his marbles, uh, and I think another one just hit the ground with a bit of a clang. <laughs> Just then. Um, I fully okay. embrace his public dementia to spiral. It's, it's great. Um, I've just got to get, yeah, okay, I've got this, got this one right. Okay, so here we go. The COVID vaccine is a bioweapon. Read the patents. Anyone who says otherwise or is unwilling to say it is lying and complicit and should stand trial for accessory to murder. Was that Bounty Hunter? He loves the coconut and compound chocolate combo. Stu Peters. Oh, God. Get that joke, Joe? Mm. He loves his bounties. Oh, does he? Oh, bounty that's... bars. Oh, my like God. That? I didn't get it all. Oh, it went straight past me. Oh, dear. I know. And the compound mind. chocolate is so, that's, yeah, that's so brutal. It's, 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 okay, a, it's a terrible, it's a terrible bar, the bounty. Don't like him. Anyway, <laughs> vegetable, vegetable. He, he's a bounty hunter, Stu, Piers, Stu Peters. Uh, was it being a hard right neo fascist has given me the complexion of an angel? An angel with ichthyosis. That is Stephen Bannon. You know, like when people like Steve Bannon, who are like considered these like elite insider types, you know, there's no cure for psoriasis because he hasn't found it. <laughs> that's that's right, man. And I'll go further and say God has got any meeny miny psoriasis. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, I Just never liked the cut of your really- jib anyway. <laughs> Oh, was it? He voted against electing Kevin McCarthy 14 times before giving him the thumbs up. But, but that's because he loses interest after 14. Mm. Matt Gatesy Gates. I like that. Joke that's I stole from Twitter, that one. Yeah, it's not He's bad, one of ours. 
we like Gatesy. We like him because Gacy. he's a terrible, terrible pedophile. Great hair, Gatesy. Hasn't he got great hair? It's thick. I tell you thick, what. Thick like Stalin. I'll keep uh, my hairline and his uh, history with uh, children. Mm-hmm. He, can, he can keep that. Or was it? He's got Tricky Dick Nixon tattooed on his back, which will give his cellmate something to look at during sudden <laughs> outbursts of prison, prison romance, Roger Stone. Okay, we don't usually joke about prison sex, but that was very funny, so I'm totally okay with it. Um, I mean, look. This is real dumb. I think I'm falling into a trap here, but Stu Peters? Robert Jones! Yes! <laughs> Triple secret communist. Yes. Uh, very, very, very good work. Yes, it was, in fact, Stu Peters, who is really, really dumb. I was coin flipping between that, Bannon, and Stone. And anyone who doesn't agree with him say. should stand trial for accessory to murder. Yeah. That's the kind of ironic shit that Roger Stone that's, would say yeah, on InfoWars. That's the kind of hard man, totalitarian bullshit that he secretly craves. Exactly. Not, freedom, not interested in freedom. No, not interested in freedom. Once a lot of people, once a lot of people killed or or, or uh, uh, stand trial and show trials. Yeah, exactly. That he gets to pull the trigger on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, fantastic work. It's a shame we haven't got the. The lounge setting and the hi-fi equipment up here today, Joel. Yes, you're I want the luggage. Very, very well. Apparently always worth way more than you think. Yeah, yeah, but if you sell them, you make a huge loss. Anyway. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, here's the quote. He only has himself to blame if people are ringing him and getting backlash from the Australian public. I think I know this one. Was that? She wishes she was wrong about the vaccine, but she was right and now wants to speak to the manager. I want to speak to the manager, Monica Smith. That's very good. Uh, was it number two? If you haven't got 20 bucks a month for me, you have been programmed to be poor and you can go and get fucked. Dave, <laughs> one eggs. That's that's very good. Uh, or was it the biggest, fattest, pinkest high Mars target the world has ever seen, Simeon Boykoff? Oink, oink. Or was it, it's happening, guys, it's happening. It's a war and it's happening and we should have won it by next week, weather permitting, Australia's second greatest concreting entertainer. Dave Guru Graham. Very good. I'm very happy about their options, but I'm pretty sure that was Simeon Boykov regarding that Ukrainian ambassador he was fucking with. Yes, well done, Joel. You are, you're, you're actually Joseph Stalin. That's how much of a communist you are. I'm at peace with this. At this point, I have to kill you because you're a threat to my reign. <laughs> I'm yes, sorry. Well, I'm sure I'm on the list. It's nothing uh, personal. So, yes, he, he he did, in fact, dox the Ukrainian ambassador on a video that he made while he's he still banged up at the Russian consulate in Double Bay in Sydney, yeah. uh, avoiding avoiding uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the hand on the shoulder from the New South Wales police for breach of bail. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he did dox Vasil Miroshenko. Terribly sorry about the pronunciation there to all our Ukrainian listeners. Terrible of me. Um, but, um, yes, did dox him. Uh, said it wasn't anything. It's actually been referred to the Australian Federal Police for their consideration. He did actually list uh, on the video, did actually list uh, the Ukrainian ambassador's cell or, or mobile phone number. And, um, yeah, it, in a call that he'd made there um and uh, he claims he's done nothing wrong. One of the, uh, or, but uh, of course, the federal police might find otherwise. The, the issue yes. being, what are they going to do if he if he remains in in uh, the double bay address of the Russian consulate? The, what something that really did amuse me over the Christmas break, looking at Boykov, was 
that he did this loud harangue from the consulate again by, by the pool, um, by the pool, and that's kind of how we know he's, he's still in the consulate. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I think Celery Sorbet did some amazing work yeah, on that. Yeah, Celery, Celery Sorbet did do some amazing geolocation there, and that's where Boykoff is. And he, he's not denying it anymore either. That's He's, he's actually saying that that's where he is. No. Um, and, and he went on to this loud harangue, a long harangue about about how, uh, you know, Australia, tyrants, uh, tyranny, uh, all this sort of stuff, police harassment, uh, and then uh, then just uh, completely flipped and went, uh, look, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Cossack, his wife, is actually a, a making application to, yeah, become, that's right. uh, to become a, 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 an Australian citizen. And you think, well, what about all that? Tyranny, Simeon. Yeah. Why, why would you subject your wife to becoming a citizen of a place where there's all this tyranny? She's facing a criminal charge, by the way, at the moment, and uh, that sort of thing doesn't look good on your permanent record when you no. apply to become an Australian citizen. So he was asking his followers to write to write uh, glowing references on Mrs. Boycott's Can behalf. you just imagine what they'd be writing in crayon <laughs> to these people? That, like, but, but what about the tyrannies? Is it mean? The, the veiled threats. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Vassal actually called uh, it a part of active measures, um, which is a very loaded term to say that it's basically this is part of a Russian operation. Whether that's the case or not is another story, but I don't oh, think he's he, mincing he, his words Simeon there. did uh, threaten the uh, uh, the Ukrainian ambassador to Australia, uh, Vasil Miroshchenko. God. It's a word that's not meant to pronounce. It is a really. There's Cyrillic there. You just ha- can't read. That there's um, no point. And and uh, and, and um, uh, the ambassador did reply that he believes that Boykov is part of the Russian intelligence network, and Boykov th- has threatened to sue him, claiming that that is defamatory. Hey, Ooh. Simeon, I wrote that in a in a, in a column yeah. in the Australian. Ooh, about. Nine months ago, I believe and you you're threatened still to sue me. In fact, yeah. I just used your own words, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's going to be a difficult one. And you threatened to sue me, and here we are, nine months later. You've only got three months to sue News Corp, mate. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I pop out to the letterbox every day, and uh, nothing. Make nothing. the check out to Nationwide News, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Nationwide you know. News is Do indeed the body that he would have to sue. Not very likely. He's threatening to sue the Ukrainian ambassador. That ain't going to happen either. Uh, <clears throat> not because he, not because he can't, but he really has no. He has no grounds to do so, and he no. always threatens to sue people, and then never does. He's massive. So cunt. he's just a big fat, just a big fat pink high mass target. I don't yeah. know why he's not with the Wagner Group. Uh, fighting in Solidar, you know. Yeah. That's what they, they got, they got foreign mercenaries fighting over there. Yeah. And I reckon the, the Ukrainians are fighting them are saying they just they just surge at the Ukrainians because, according to the Ukrainians, say they seem to be more terrified because of what's behind them rather uh, than what's the, in front of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, that, is the, uh, that, is the, that is the awful Wagner Group founder who was responsible for the release of a videotape where a Russian convicted murderer grabbed out of jail um, fought with the Wagner Group, was defected to the Ukrainian side and then was captured by the Wagner Group and then was executed with a blow to the skull with a sledgehammer and that was all videotaped and released to the world. Not Don't great. 
Don't go looking for it. No, no I'm this not going to look at that. This guy, no. the head of the wagon group, and I just can't think of his hideous Russian name. He's got a $10 million bounty on his name, Giles, so we can go and capture him and make a quick uh, make a quick 10 mil. But, oh, uh, we yeah. could put a deposit F- on a F- unit. That'd FBI. be great. <laughs> yeah, FBI have got a $10 million bounty on his head. Most, one of the most wanted men in the world. Terrible piece of work. All righty. So there we go, Joel. Three out of three. Excellent. Fuck yeah. Nailed it. We fired you. We sacked you. We dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal. You're a traitor. And you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you. That's what I'll go with. Have you met the Chilcoats, Joel? The Chilcoats. Do, 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 do. No? <laughs> well, maybe you're drunk, Joel. Maybe. Which is what... Ex One Nation Senator Rod Carlton's co-defendant, fifty-seven-year-old Rosalind Jane Stewart, accused WA Magistrate Kevin Tavener of being when the two stood before him on January nine. Yes, they did. It happened as big soft sit Rod was halfway through a stellar soft sit defence. I am a Commonwealth officer, Mr. Carlton said, and it was responded to by saying, "You're not a Commonwealth officer. You're a private citizen." So uh, it's like the magistrate sort of just said, "You're not the Messiah. You are a naughty boy." Yeah. Well, you're not. You're not a senator in exile. You're not a senator anymore. In fact, you're a technically, you're not a sen. You were never a senator because you were never. You were never. You were never. Um, uh, you, you were never um, lawfully able to sit in the parliament. And I believe Wayne Glue also claims to be an officer of the Commonwealth, but that's that's a whole other story. That's a we won't whole go down. Story, yeah. So, Mr. Carlton responded with, "Maybe what I did in Parliament then is just nonsense." Well, yeah, uh, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it awkward because yeah, big soft seat rub. So he was just then told to take a seat and be quiet, which is good advice. Good and advice. that's when his co-accused Rosalind Stewart chimed in. Which I like this one. This is great. This is, in my opinion, you appear not to be sober, which is what she said to the magistrate. Who's trying her? <laughs> the fucking balls. Oh, my God. She claimed, She's fucking cool. She was a registered nurse and thus had eerie powers of detecting intoxication. Yeah, they actually might use that. So she goes on to say, can we request a sobriety test? You are determining my future and I want to know that you're sober and then Mr. Cullerton, Mr. Cullerton, pipes up and says, "Is that something we can request?" I haven't seen that in my in my in my, book, yeah. my, my book of seventeenth century maritime Portuguese no. maritime law. Just, Is that something we can request? <sighs> yeah, the magistrate was unsurprisingly a bit miffed, but was measured in his response. He said. Uh, there has to be a filter from what you say in court, Miss Stewart, but appears you have none, which is as nice as you can get. And then said, "Don't insult me again. There is a limit to what I will tolerate." And I'm guessing that was sort of it. That was kind of bit scary. It yeah. was the start and the end of that. Yeah, that whole business of whether Carlton Stewart attempted to cross the SAWA border while being unvaccinated has now been adjourned. The trial originally set down for one day mm-hmm. has been adjourned until June 19. God. And we'll report on that as it happens, listeners. I mean, this oh, yeah. is what this is what sovsits do, the pseudo-law men and women, is they just choke up the courts with their bullshit. I oh, mean, yeah. they just could have copped a fucking fine. It does come with a jail sentence, what, they, what they've been accused of doing. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's very but unlikely it. that either of them will receive that. It's so and, painful. Like, it's, so, it's like... 
It's paper terrorism. It's just, fucking painful. It's just a nonsense. And then the man, the beak who's actually going to be sentencing them. Oh, I think you look a bit drunk today, mate. Yeah. Are you pissed? <laughs> mate, your honour, your honour, who's taking care of my bus fare? <laughs> anyway, idiots. so back to the Chilcoats. Whee. And like many, I mean, they've been accused of being involved, and they certainly were, <laughs> the Gen 6 riot at the Capitol building. And like many of those who took part in the riots, authorities say the Chilcoats, Sean Dale, that's a woman, by the way, <laughs> and Donald of Salina, Ohio, proudly recorded and posted evidence of their crimes on social media after the fact. Bless. You know, they were like violent tourists who proudly showed themselves illegally entering the Capitol building and took happy snaps and posing and smiling, grinning their asses off as if they were anticipating a slide night with friends with popcorn and cheesy nibbles after they returned home to Ohio. Like, this is what they actually said, which is fucking great. I'm so freaking excited. Look, I'm right at the top of Congress. Like, and this is like as they broke into the building and just yep. wandered around that the Senate Shaun chamber. Yeah, was that was Sean Dale. Sean Dale. I mean, yeah, shit. It's not. A, it's not. Your your parents should be at the. It's an Hague. interesting name. It's an interesting name. And then yeah, follow uh, up uh, with, uh, we're going to uh, show them how they need to vote today. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. And they also made this admission, which dismisses a lot of the nonsense by many of the writers and the identity of the writers and who supported them. Oh, yes, I've wanted this to be debunked a long time because this is a wild rumour that needs to be addressed by um, Sean Dale. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Antifa is being blamed for breaking windows and storming Congress. Um, no, it was us. I was with them and I couldn't be more proud. (laughs) Please stop giving them credit and realise Trump's side has crazies too and they should stew on that for a while. Yeah, well, there you go. So that's the whole Antifa um, conspiracy oh, just knocked dead. over. I was gone. <laughs> thank you, Sean Dale. Sean, thank you, Sean Dale. Um, <laughs> thank you, Sean Dale. Uh, chill coat. Good yes, Lord. as anti vaxxers no, constantly say. I forgot the whole thing, but apologies. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, a bit of an admission there. The Chilcoats were arrested in August. They were locked up for a little while too um, oh, yeah. before they could uh, uh, get bail. And they faced multiple charges, including entering a restricted building, oh, disorderly yeah. conduct on restricted grounds, and yeah. obstruction of an official. And a number of people who've gone before the Chilcoats on similar charges have ended up doing a bit of bird. Ooh. But over. Over the uh, over the uh, the northern autumn, uh, however, lawyers for the for the two uh, Chilcoats filed a motion to dismiss their case. Mm, right. And according to the prosecution's response, the motion contained four documents, which prosecutors repeatedly alleged were straight up copied and pasted from various sources. Classic, classic. The documents state the court does not have jurisdiction over the Mm -hmm. couple and that they were victims of fraud by their Mm -hmm. court-appointed lawyer. The prosecution discounted the motion as, and I quote, a hodgepodge of unsupported assertions, irrelevant platitudes and legalistic gibberish, unquote. Great. It included statements from Shawndale Chilcote describing herself as, and I quote, a competent natural-born woman living on the land, while her husband Donald filed, I am man, the US is, and, sick, <laughs> entity slash corporation, and entity slash corporation. Well done, Donald. Yeah. Top work. Killing it. 
and Justice Colleen Collar-Cotelli agreed with the prosecution's arguments and on January 10 dismissed the couple's motion. Aww. No. So in her decision, Collar-Cotelli wrote that the Chilcote's motion is, quote, difficult to follow at times, but the crux of their argument appears to rest on sovereign citizen ideology. So now they'll be tried. Now they're flash trials. That's soft you think. God oh, damn. Such a it damn was so shame. close this time. It was so close. So close. <laughs> yeah. The oh, scoreboard but, will never look the same again. But will they get away with it at trial and be the first ever soft citizen in the US justice system to succeed with a soft seat defence? Or will they be living separately, separately in prison cells down by the banks? Of the old I.O. Yeah, so that's that, that was Olivia Newton-John's first big hit, Joel. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. It, Livy. God yeah. bless you. And bless her heart. Rest, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Good character. Look, I'm sure it has been a huge month or so in Pete Evans, but I wouldn't really know because he has a self-destruct time on his Telegram and they nukes his posts after about a week. And this is a smart move because he says all sorts of seriously dumb shit that you really do not want to be easily indexed and searched. (laughs) So Pete isn't completely stupid because he did that. I'm guessing under legal advice. Anyway, look, I should probably do the same with my Twitter, to be honest. Everyone uh, should just lock oh, it off. Lock it off after a year. Just, they're going to age like milk. And to be fair, I did actually try and search some tweets recently and I couldn't. And I think Elon Musk took the feature away. But I digress. I digress. Let's go back to Pete. And his only original post this week, well, I've, there were other ones, but they, they were just trying to sell retreats and that's not funny. Still knocking those out. He took a screenshot of a Facebook post from, from Nine News, Sydney, and it said this. Call out. Have you had a heart attacks and are concerned about the long-term effects on the functioning of your heart? Nine News would like to speak with you. Please send your best contact details, not your worst, your best, <laughs> to our Facebook inbox. Uh, and there's a hashtag, Nine News, I watch live 6 p.m. You know that I'd be sending them my spam email. Anyway, so this is the caption from Pete at the bottom. It says this. I wonder if they're going to say that it has nothing to do with their non-stop enforcing of the shots from their media, in inverted commas, company and others, question mark. What is that? Oh, he's pointing upwards. Yeah, he's pointing upwards. He does that. He likes to point upwards at the post. But you see, the thing is they probably won't, Pete, because, and I looked this up, it didn't take long, heart disease was the leading cause of death in 2021. Generally is. Heart attacks, they're not new, Pete. Uh, But the thing that kills me is how are you this fucking stupid (laughs) how how were you dropped did you fall off a fucking rock the fuck is wrong with you anyway look it's typically accident he's a fucking yeah exactly a jet ski accident you didn't have a jet ski anymore you gave it to fucking dave oniggs and then he used it to make money it is typically brazen anti-vaxxer style that just just casually take the leading cause of death nationwide and claim it as a vaccine injury (laughs) oh I'll tell you what, to really fuck up all those vaccine people. Been the leading cause of death now for, well, at least 50 years that I know of and probably longer. Yeah. Um, and, it's and insane. And it's right up there with cancer. So it's it's either heart attack or heart disease, yeah. more, prom- more properly known as, or cancer. They're, they're yeah. the two main killers. 
Amazing. Of humanity. Basically. They're so they're so fucking brazen. But this is the thing. Like this is what anti-vaxxers do. This is their thing. They're fucking liars. But Pete, Pete, mate, I don't know why. After two years of watching you uh, wilt like iceberg lettuce in a small room, I expect better from you. Like, don't be Steve oh, Kirsch. Right, You're not Steve Kirsch. You're Paleo Pete. You know, you're the guy that like poisons kids with liver soup. You're like, <laughs> you're better than that. I don't understand where you went wrong. Maybe the liver soup was bad. I don't know. I don't know. Kids are annoying. Anyway, in other news, Zippy Babbitt has blocked me on Twitter. Now, Aww. I know that a lot of people have this happening to them and it's very sad, but I've been avoiding this for ages. Because I know this thin-skinned real estate hawker, or should I say property manager, because he recently posted an image being like, oh, he's just a a leasing agent. He's a leasing agent. He's not very good. Anyway, he blocks pretty much anyone that isn't nice to him these days because he's got no fucking skin at all. And he's a senator. It's embarrassing. How did he get here? It is embarrassing. I don't know how this works with this whole sort of free speech dick. He says, you know, he loves to talk about that sort of stuff. But I think most rational beings have stopped trying to understand that sort of conflict of beliefs a long time ago because, uh, let's face it, Avi Yemeni uh, really set the uh, <laughs> yeah, set the, yeah, yeah. Set free the bar. Speech, it's free speech except the stuff I don't like. Exactly, which is, you know, uh, viciously opposed and potentially yeah, litigious. So this is a minor setback to me because while the hot takes from the good senator no longer pop on my newsfeed, he is, of course, one incognito away from being exposed for my pleasure. <laughs> and, you know, he likes to expose himself. He's uh, he's a real tweeter. He has, as the magistrate would say, no filter, which uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate because he's great. I love him. So he's not getting much engagement, though. And this is the worst thing because you get in this situation where you're a controversial figure who talks a lot of shit on a platform that's widely used by leftist intellectual types. Yeah. You block everyone that disagrees with you. Who does that leave? There's no one left. Like, you've just got, like, occasional weirdos that, like, use Twitter but are also cookers. Like, that's – like, go on Truth Social. Probably maybe, the, maybe the Thatcher speech bot follows him. Yes. Yeah, it probably does because he thinks he's still alive. But here are some excellent takes from the actual senator, Ralph Babbitt. This one's for you. Uh, TikTok is a data-gathering tool for the CCP. It's a threat to our nation. Yeah. The CCP version teaches kids <laughs> – Maths, I hadn't read this before. The CCP version teaches kids maths, engineering, hard work, etc. The Western version shows debauchery and truly degenerate content. Win for the CCP, fail for us. Hashtag CCP. How many times would you get? Anyway, hashtag TikTok, hashtag Senator Babbitt, hashtag Babbitt. Yeah. I mean, he has made himself into a hashtag, not only once but twice, which just makes it so much better because he's just that kind of person. This is this is who we're dealing with. Like, I fucking love I'm him so look much. Up, I'm going to look up hashtag Babbitt and see what comes up there. There'll be next to nothing. There'll be about three tweets and, and two of them will be from him. It'll be him. It's great. So he's not wrong, though. Like, this is actually a thing. I'm sure he saw it on some fucking Breitbart article. China do have a different version of TikTok called Douyin. And this includes a children's version that isn't available in the rest of the world. Uh, the thing that I really like about the version of uh, TikTok in China that's sort of controlled by the CCP is the way they teach children hard work, etc. Just like Barry's what last. is that? He loves a bit of hard work, doesn't he? Like not, not, for him, not for himself. Get obviously. down the coal mine, you fucking sociopath. <laughs> anyway, look, in this version, 
quite reasonably. Access is limited to 40 minutes a day, and it's also limited to educational videos. And it's not just for these sort of impressionable rug rats, you know, these preteen tween types. It's mm. teenagers as well. Yeah. And that's that, I can see the merit in this. So basically what's happening here is the Chinese Communist Party are intervening by limiting access of young people to content and controlling what they see and teaching them hard work. I mean, <laughs> is that freedom, Zippy? <laughs> Sounds awfully like Sounds a, a little bit totalitarian, Zippy. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. But the thing is, is this pivot towards totalitarianism, this is the narrative arc we've all seen coming, to be fair, but we've been waiting for for so long for old Zipperuni. He, and loves, it. he loves the Chinese Communist Party. We've only got six years of this, so we need this thing to happen. I need these stages to flow. But the best thing is, fuck me, this really, I like this one. He's also a Marxist. He's a fucking Marxist. He goes he on it. to say this. Everyone should have access to opportunity, but the final result must be determined by the sweat of their brow and work ethic. Did he uh, pinch that from Lenin? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> then there's hashtag Marxism. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. He thinks that he's lampooning Marxism by being some sort of like fervent capitalist. But Zippy, mate, I hate to tell you this, that is Marxism. That is actually pretty much the working definition of Marxism. <laughs> That's basically something Lenin would say over breakfast. Marx never showed for a quality of outcome, you fucking imbecile. Of course, this is probably something that he got from Jordan Peterson on Twitter but in one of his clonopin binges. Okay, so he did <laughs> seek to destroy arbitrary class structures, but these are the things that limit the opportunity of people born into situations of lesser means and therefore destroying these arbitrary class structures increase access to opportunity. This is what you're advocating for. Yeah, you're yeah. a fucking Marxist. He, he strongly believed in the value of labour. He even made a theory about it. What a thing. And this is exactly what Marx envisioned, Babs. I am fucking so stoked you finally come around because I thought you weren't into Marxism for a bit. <laughs> Don't know how I got that idea, but now, thank Christ, you've come on board. He's come on Good board. Good to see He's it. hard left. He's hard I, left. I'll be seeing him at the fucking Socialist Alternative Marxism Conference down at fucking Sydney University next month. We're like, oh, bro, good to see you here, mate. Did you bring your com car? So yeah. there you have it. Look. Pete's an idiot who thinks that heart attacks became a thing in, what, 2022? And Ralph Babbitt is now a Marxist who believes in controlling access to content for children through government measures. <laughs> this is the best. So 2023 is off to a great start already. I am dying to see, hopefully not dying suddenly, to see what these fucking idiots come up next. Well, you never know, Joel. You have been vaccinated. And you Ooh. have been listening to the Condition Relief Program with your host, Jack the Insider, and Joel Hill. Jack can be found on Twitter and at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunch Moses with AK. We'll set up our Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. Uh, just look up Condition Release Program. There's a ship posting group. It's great. We do stuff. We like things. It's fun. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it on social media. Just give us a bump. More yeah. listeners, better things. And as we said at the front of the program, we have a Patreon to help keep this sustainable. It's a labour with a U. That's for you, Teeny Weenie. Uh, labour <laughs> of labour of love with a U. Got very confused about Labour Day, and he thought it was we all got out there and marched in celebration of, of the Australian Labour Party. That's you fucking idiot, idiot Teeny. Yeah, it's a fucking idiot. Uh, anyway, but uh, yes, of course, the show is a labour with a U of love, but we still have to pay the rent. Yes, mine just got increased, so. Ooh. Pony up. Yeah, $25 a week, fucking sociopaths. Anyway, for as little as $5 a month, which is 
five less than well 20 less than my rent increase don't, uh, don't start have, with mass it's not your strong suit yeah i know i've had a few crappies too uh you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content including a bi-weekly bonus episode no one listens to this talent anyway of all the good shit that did make it into the main episode and we'll try and make it worth your while we'll have zoom things and stuff there's all sorts of things we offer. yeah when well, we'll be doing us we'll be doing a uh our first overflow for the year oh well it should be out by the end of the week yeah um, we'll do it on thursday i reckon and that'll be yes it'll be out by around about the 20th of jan and finally all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. It's got a the in front of it. We would it love does. to hear from you, even if it's to tell us that you've just set fire to our Masonic Lodge. Joe, what about the cucumber sandwiches? They'll be toast. Yes, I wrote that joke, by the way. You should not fall for that. That was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Thanks, listeners. See you next time. See you yeah, next time. Toasted cu- cucumber sandwiches. No. No, be no good. Be no good. The butter just is be terrible. It, it's just a conceptual fucking nightmare, Joel. Like, what were you mush. thinking? Oh, I was just I was trying to make you give you, have you give you some nightmares for tonight. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me, you guys are bastards.